People that you've been uh, offended or jaded because you think all they ever talk about in church is money, well, God's setting you free today. You came to the right place. Uh, I don't know why it is, but he, he likes to work on the issues that we have in our heart. It doesn't matter what it is. And some people, they get really worked up and weird about money, but it's okay to talk about money in church, isn't it? And specifically, uh, the series we're in is called The Big Deal About Giving. So uh, I've only been talking about money once a year, but I, I know that Jesus talked a lot more than I do ever about it. If you read through the gospel, and some of his teachings. It's amazing. You, you really, if you're looking for that paradigm, if you look through that lens, he talked about money a lot. So once a year, I figure it is not too bad, but uh, money and how we handle it is important to God. If you weren't here last week, you can go back and listen online, catch up on the sermon. Uh, we laid some groundwork of, of the money basics, things, things that God is speaking about money throughout scripture, but it is very important what we do with our money, how we handle it, our attitude towards it. I, I even, after we said last week that the most, uh, one of the most frequently misquoted verses you ever hear in, in scripture is people say money is the root of all evil, but it's not true, is it? It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. And I thought this week, even after we just went over it last week, I actually heard somebody say that on the radio this week. They, they were making a point about something and they said, well, you know, money is the root of all evil. And I was like, no, it's not. And I got a whole room full of people that knew that when I said it last week. So you guys are on the ball and, and have been studying. Uh, some people are, are really upset and jaded about church. They think this is how money works. If you want to go to that cartoon, here's two guys stranded on a desert island. He says, I'm afraid no one will ever find us. And the other guy says, don't worry, I give 100000 a year to my church. My pastor will find us. <laughs> Isn't that how some people think church works? Like the biggest givers are the most important people there. But if you've been around us anytime, you know that New Life Fellowship is a diverse, supernatural community helping people encounter Jesus. And in that diversity, one of the things we stress is everybody matters. Okay, it, it doesn't matter if how much you're putting in the offering week after week. You are valuable and important to New Life Fellowship. And, and I hope you feel that every time you walk through the doors, that you're not having some weird uh, perception of, well, is, is pastor going to look at me funny because I, I haven't been giving because we've been in a hard time? Or is, or is pastor going to look at me funny because I wrote a huge check last week and I expect to get treated? No, everybody matters the same because you, you are valuable. You're creating God's image. He sent Jesus to die for you, so you matter. So uh, we've been in this series. We've, we started it last week. Uh, as I said, we, we looked at the money basics last week. It's stuff I've preached about before, but we weren't really going to spend multiple weeks on it. We just kind of did it as a review. And then uh, today we're going to get into a little bit about what does it mean to bring an acceptable gift to the Lord? And have we ever tied that concept to money before? And then next week, uh, we're going to wrap some things up with talking about where should our focus be when we give and how much we're going to next week. So I'm sorry if you were expecting it today. Next week, we're going to answer the big question of how much is the right amount and does the amount matter? So stay tuned for that. Uh, but today we where we left off last week, uh, we said it was a little bit of a cliffhanger. I read the verses, but I didn't get time to talk about it last week. So uh, I'm, I'm into it today. And uh, there we go. This is where we left off. My gift does not necessarily equal your gift. What, what we bring to the Lord is different for each one of us, and they don't all look the same. And we read these verses last week. We'll go ahead and read them again to refresh. This was the story of Cain and Abel. And it says in Genesis chapter 4, they, they grew up. It says Abel became a shepherd, and Cain cultivated the ground. That means he was a farmer. For those of you that have ever read that, wonder what he's talking about. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. He kept animals. And it says this in verse 3. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. And it says, Abel also brought a gift, the best of his firstborn lambs from his flock. 
And it says the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Man, sometimes you ever try to picture these stories when you're reading them and, and think they were real guys? You know, and they had the same emotions that we have, and they went through some of the same experiences that we had. And it says Cain was angry, and he went away dejected, looking sad, because God didn't accept his sacrifice that he had brought. Now, this is, this is still pretty early in the creation story, isn't it? You know, Adam and Eve, they had just gotten put out of the garden, but probably there's, there's not a whole lot of needy people in the world, are there? No, we're not taking up an offering because, hey, we've got mobs of destitute, sick, and poor people that need the money. God... Even though it was just Cain and Abel, we're still pretty early in the story. There wasn't a whole lot of need in the world. God was still interested in receiving gifts from his children. Yeah. That, he, he was intending that that would actually be part of the development of this relationship that he wanted to have with them. Even though there was no longer face-to-face, hey, Adam in the garden, we're walking, we're talking like friends, you see me as I am. Even though that level of intimacy wasn't there anymore, God was still interested in having a relationship with his children. And part of the, the way that relationship was cultivated was through the bringing of gifts. And that, that was an aspect. Cain and Abel, they, they had seen that, and they knew that God was interested in that, so they had brought their gifts to him. And I believe giving still is a part of our interaction with God and the, the, the development of our relationship with him. It's because our relationship was intended to be father-son or father-children. If you're a woman, don't, don't get freaked out by that. I, I understand. Our relationship was intended to be a family relationship, not servant-master. Okay, if, if it was servant master, it would be you owe me this, just bring it, leave it, whatever, you know, work for it. But it was intended to be bring me a gift so that we can commune together, so that we can build and deepen this relationship. That's what God was after with Cain and Abel. And that's what he's still after with us. And part of the way that relationship happens, whether whether we like to talk about it in church or admit it sometimes is through our giving, through our acts of generosity. When, when we're doing for the least of these, we're actually doing for him. And we need to remember that that's, that is a very real, like, hey, I may give you something to help you, but really, I'm watching my father to see his reaction and deepening the relationship with that I have with him. So uh, as I was thinking about it, and part of where I've gotten some of these notes is I've been reading this book called Plastic Donuts. Has anybody ever heard of it or read it? Okay, zero people in the whole room. So that's, that's why I'm preaching, because I'm ahead of you. I've read the book, and you haven't. So there's this story in Plastic Donuts. This little girl, she's maybe three or four. She's in playing with her, who, who had the little kitchenette set, with all the plastic food. that You, you, you look at it today, and you're like, man, there's, there's all kinds of warning labels on it today. Like, don't eat that. That's a choking hazard. But back then, it was just like, hey, it's, it's our plastic kitchenware, and it's the coolest thing ever. Well, he's, he's in his, his office, the, the father. He's, he's typing, doing some notes, whatever. And the little girl comes in the room with a, some plastic donuts from her kitchen set. And she comes over to him and says, here, I made these for you. And what's the dad do? Of course, if, if you are a parent, if you're not a parent, wait, you'll have this experience later. But if you're not, if you've been a parent, you've had this experience, you grab the plastic donut and you make a show like you're eating and you're like, mmm, this is the best thing I've ever had in the whole world. And what do you think the daughter's reaction was? <laughs> like, she was thrilled to look how my father reacted to the gift I brought him. 
And there's something in that about our gifts that we bring to God that really are like plastic donuts, right? Does, does, he, does he need the stuff we bring him? Like even if you write the biggest check we've ever received in the history of New Life Fellowship, does it, God really need it? Now, I may be thinking, boy, we really need that. Like, hey, this will help keep the lights on and pay the bills. But, but does God really need it? No, he doesn't. So in that sense, our giving to him is just like the plastic donuts. But the important thing is the interaction that happens. And, and that's part of why the gifts were so important, even at the very beginning with Cain and Abel, because it's a familial relationship. And just like his daughter wanted to please the guy that wrote that story, that should be our aspect towards the Lord. Not out of obligation, not out of duty, but because you're my dad. I, I want to please you in the things that I do. I want to bring you these gifts. And when, when they brought their gifts to the Lord, if you read through that passage, the Hebrew word was sha'ah, which, which means that God, when it says the gift was acceptable and how God looked at them, it really talks about God viewed Abel's sacrifice differently. He looked at it with special intention. He, he dwelled on it. He said, man, it, it would be like the difference between, hey, there's a, there's a regular plastic water bottle and here's a beautiful piece of art. Okay, that, that would be like the connotation. Like, you're not going to give two more thoughts to that water bottle because you're like, that's common. I've seen it every day. Right. But this, oh, look at this piece of art. Right. That's amazing. That's the connotation of how God looked at their gifts differently. Cain's gift wasn't acceptable, but God looked at Abel's gift and said, you brought me that. That's amazing. And that was the difference between acceptable and unacceptable. And I think about this. I think, you know, Cain was older. Do you think Cain maybe should have known better? Like, like maybe he had a couple more years doing this than, than Abel did, that, that he had had this interaction with God before. I, I think about these things when I read these stories like this. And it made me think, you know, if, if Eli brought me a plastic donut... I'd be like, oh, this is amazing. This is, and Eli would squeal and he'd be so excited. Pap, pap, donut, pap. Now, if Silas brought me a plastic donut, probably not the same reaction, right? Like my mom's over here consoling him, Pat. It's, I would eat your donut, Silas. It's okay. But, but I mean, do you see the difference? Between if, if, I've been, if I've been walking with God for 50 years and I'm still bringing him the same gift or thinking, Here, here's this, this thing that means nothing to me. Here's the water bottle. I, I got the art hanging in my house, but God, you get the water bottle. It's not the same gift in his eyes. And I think probably Cain had been doing this a couple more years than Abel. So maybe he should have known a little bit of how this worked. I need to bring God something that's acceptable to him. In fact, God regarded Abel's gift so much higher than Cain's that, Cain, that Abel is the first one mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. where we, You know, the hall of faith. Where we talk about all the heroes of faith. Go read Hebrews 11 later. First person mentioned is Abel. And it says Abel brought a better sacrifice that was acceptable to the Lord. That must, there's something special about that. That God, I brought you something that moved you so much that you listed me among the heroes of faith. How my gift stirred your heart. So God, they brought these two gifts. They brought some crops from Cain's garden. Cain was a farmer. And Abel brought the, the best of the firstborn flocks. Now, why did God act like that? Like why Did, did he set Cain up for failure by making him a, a farmer 
and Abel a shepherd? Was, was God like some little kid, like, oh, I love animals, but keep those vegetables away from me? You know, what, what was the difference in their attitude and, and, and the gifts that were brought? That, I gave it away there, didn't I? The difference was not what the gift was animals or crops or whatever. It was the fruit of their hands, their labors. The difference was in their heart and the attitude that they brought when they brought the gifts towards the Lord. In God's economy, I think there are only two types of gifts. There are acceptable gifts and there are unacceptable gifts. And it has nothing to do with what the gift actually is. It has everything to do with what's going on in me when I give it. And so he looks at it and and Abel's sacrifice, he says, this is acceptable. I love it. Thank you so much for bringing this, Abel. This is awesome. And Cain's gift was rejected. It wasn't acceptable to the Lord. And, and what's, it's, it's interesting because there aren't levels of acceptability. So don't hear, it's not like when you go to the hardware store. Has anybody else ever done this or is this just me? You see like, oh, I've got to buy a new hose for the garden this weekend. And you go there and it's like good, better, best. And you're like, oh. I, I only wanted to spend the price of the good one, but the best one, like it's, it, you know, resist kinking and it, it's, it's 20 feet longer. It's, it doesn't work that way in God's economy. It's just either acceptable or unacceptable. There, there aren't levels like, hey, your gift was acceptable, but it wasn't as good as Steve's. That's, that's not how it works. So get good, better. We'll talk about this a little more, but get good, better, best out of your mind. It's just either acceptable or it's not. And, and what was interesting is God wasn't angry at Cain just because he brought an unacceptable gift. If you go back and read the story, even after Cain brought the gift that was rejected, God came and met with Cain and tried to warn him. He said, Cain, why are you so downcast? You know, like wanting to know what's going on. Why did you read just because I rejected your gift? Why are you acting like that? And he even warns Cain, he says, you have to be careful. Sin is crouching at your door and you need to master it or it will master you. So God, just because God, Cain brought this unacceptable gift, God wasn't angry. God was trying to coach him up and say, hey, here's how you can fix this. And this is what you need to be aware of. Watch out for this. So there was still this relationship, but it wasn't facilitated. The relationship didn't deepen the way that it would have if an acceptable gift had been presented. There's a, there was a lot going on in this story if you go back and think about what's happening there. And then, obviously, Cain didn't take God's warning. He, he, he stews on his anger, he simmers on it, and he takes Abel out in the field and he kills him. All because, hey, you, your gift got accepted and mine got rejected. Come on, is that petty or what? Yeah. And, and we see that still happen today in so many relationships and people get into comparison and looking at things and, and they get angry with each other. And God, it breaks his heart, I think. Yeah. It's, it's not anger. It's the same thing that he, he came we met with Cain and said, hey, you need to change the way you're walking. You need to think about this differently. You need to do something different that will be acceptable. God loves us no matter what happens, no matter what we bring. But often, and this is, this is where the rubber really meets the road for some of us, He loves us no matter what, but often our gifts determine the depth of our relationship with Him. Just like it did with Cain and Abel in the very beginning. God's heart was, I want to have a relationship with both you guys. And Cain's gift moved him further into that relationship with the Lord. And Cain's did I say Cain or Abel? Abel's gift. Man. 
I'll pause extra long there so I can edit that out of tape. Abel's gift moved him deeper in his relationship with God. And Cain's caused a wedge to come in his heart that ended up with him killing his brother. Like talk, talk about being far from the Lord and what he wants you to do. Pretty sure killing your brother is on that list of far from what God wants you to do. So what does it mean you know, that God finds things acceptable? I think acceptable gets misunderstood because in our culture we think of acceptable as, oh, I just did enough to get by. You know, hey, I, I, I had this project due or something was going on and I did the bare minimum, but it was acceptable. And that's, that's kind of our Western thinking about, but that's not really what that meant when it said the gift was acceptable or it was rejected. Here, here's an example from David's life. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. This is a pretty familiar verse to people. Uh, David says this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Do you think David was actually praying, let, let my words and thoughts be just enough to get by with you, God? Like, like, I don't want to put a lot of extra effort into this. I just want to check off the boxes to make sure you're not going to smite me or anything. Let, let them be acceptable, just enough to get by. Do you think that's really what he was praying? No, you guys are sharp. You guys are on the ball. No, that's not what David meant by that. So what, I mean, because we think about it just like, you know, getting a report card. And I'm not going to name any names. But sometimes report cards will show up and there will be C's on them. And it's like, well, I passed. It was just enough to get by. That's not Silas's. Maybe that was when the girls were younger. Or, or some hypothetical parent. Come on, that's, that's kind of what we think acceptable means. Like, I did enough to pass. But what was really going on in this verse, David, if you read other translations, most other translations say, let my words and thoughts be pleasing unto you, Lord. And even that word doesn't really go far enough to what it, what it means if you go back and study it out. The word there that's used for pleasing in your sight actually means a pleasure, a delight, a favor, and goodwill. And it implies that they are reactions from the person receiving the gift. So this is not David saying, hey, let the things I'm thinking about and the things I say be just enough to get by. David's saying, let my words and my thoughts put a smile on your face, God. Let them move you so much that, that there a reaction comes from you of joy, of pleasure, of, of overwhelmed with, with the way I'm acting and the things I'm saying and the things I'm thinking about. That's, that's what acceptable means there. Not just enough to get by. But let it move you, God. Let it be pleasing unto you. Let it stir your heart with something. God can be moved by our gifts. Yeah. Do we ever think about that? I mean, because there, there are a lot of denominations and, and some other teachings out there. That maybe you've heard or not heard this phrase, but they talk about God being the immovable mover. Like, like nothing we do can change who he is or what he thinks about us. God can be stirred by our gifts. There, there is something about our interaction with him that is facilitated by what we bring to offer. And that, for some people, that, that, that would make a world of difference if they just caught that. That God can actually be influenced and our relationship can deepen by our interactions with him and the gifts we bring. Some people get weird about the concept of pleasing God. But it really is okay to seek to please God. You know, here's where they get weird. They either think, oh, you're, you're making this like a religious duty now, Pastor Chris. Like, I just, I have to do more to make him like me and to be happy with me and it, I'll please him if I act right. That's, that's not what I'm saying. And then you've got other people, they, they think, oh, it's, it's weird to think about pleasing God. 
because they've, they've had terrible interactions with their father growing up or some family member where they couldn't cut the mustard. Yeah, have you ever known somebody like that? It's like they never measured up to what their father or their parents expected. And so they carry all this baggage with them, and they think, how could you ever tell me I need to please God? There's no way to please Him, because I know I couldn't please anybody else. And that's not what we're talking about here. It's not religious duty. Our relationship with God isn't like that. It's, it's pure. It's, we're able to come with this aspect of wanting to please Him. And it's not obligation. It's not duty. It's not manipulation on His part. It's because He's our Father. And just like the girl brought the plastic donuts to her dad, that should be our attitude. I want to please my Father. Here are some examples of people who want to please God. Just in case you're wondering, it is okay to want to please Him. Uh, Exodus 33:13. I'll hit a couple of these real quick. This was Moses. Moses said, If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. Here's Moses. This is a guy that God spoke with directly. A few verses before that says God met with Moses face to face and talked with him as a friend. You would think if somebody has that type of relationship with God, they would know that he's pleased with them. But he's still asking. He wants to know. He wants that interchange with the Lord. If you are pleased with me, if I found favor in your sight, if I've done the things that stir you and move you, remember this, do this. His concern was knowing that he pleased God. And the revelation of God's pleasure stirred Moses to want to go even further. If you're pleased with me, then teach me your ways. That, that should be the result of us pleasing the Lord. There should be something stirred inside of us to want to go even deeper. Lord, if I've found favor in your sight, if I've been pleasing you, teach me more. Tell me more about who you are and how this thing works. Here's another guy in Genesis chapter 8, verse 20. Uh, this is the story of Noah. This is after they got out of the ark. It says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. And verse 21 says, The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of man. Here's, here's Noah, the head of the only family left on earth. Okay? That God came and said, Build this ark. I'm going to save you. You would think that he would know that he pleased God, right? Hey, God, you saved me and everybody else is gone. But he still said, Hey, I'm going to bring a gift. I'm going to make this offering to you, Lord, because it's going to deepen. It's going to enhance our relationship. And, and all I have is the stuff that I brought with me that, that you caused them to come in the ark anyway. But here's, here's some of these animals, Lord. It's a gift and a sacrifice to you. And, and Noah's gift, Noah's interaction with the Lord moved God's heart. It says it stirred God's heart so much that God said, I'm going to put a rainbow in the sky. Never again am I going to curse the ground or destroy the earth because of man. Talk about moving God with your gift. So here's Noah, the person that you would think he knew it, but he still offered gifts. And it stirred something in God's heart. Uh, In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians, this is Paul speaking. Chapter 5 and verse 9 says, we make it our goal. Everybody say our goal. Isn't it good to have goals? You've got to have something to shoot at in life or else you're just wandering aimlessly through life. And Paul says, here's a good goal for you. He says, we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. So here's Paul, you know, pretty sure he knew God had accepted him. He's God's chosen instrument to go to the Gentiles. He's writing all these books in the New Testament. He's healing people. You would think he knew God liked him. And yet he says, this is our goal. 
I want to please him in everything I do, no matter where I am and what's going on. And Paul was, come on, he was well acquainted with race running and the rewards and where our focus should be. You read through his writings, he knew the goals, and he said his goal was to continue to please God, to do something that moved the heart of the Father. And here's one last example. You might have heard of this guy. Uh, John chapter 8, Jesus says this statement, The one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. So here's Jesus, the perfect son. The father had already voiced his approval of him. At, at baptism, the sky opened. They heard a voice that said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus makes it a point to continue to tell his disciples, I do what pleases the Father. There is something in me that wants to please Him, that wants to stir Him, that wants to give Him something that's acceptable from my life. And there, there are many ways to please the Father, but since we're in January and we're talking about money, I'm going to give you a verse here. Philippians chapter 4.18 says this. This is Paul talking to the Philippian church. They've given him some offerings, given him some support, and he says, I have received full payment, and even more, I am amply supplied Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Here Paul explicitly links this concept of acceptable gifts to money and generosity and the things that we give. I mean, sometimes we read this, we think, well, what did the Philippians send him? They sent him money and supplies and things that he needed. But Paul says, you're giving the things that you've sent to me are actually pleasing to the Lord. They are an acceptable gift and a fragrant aroma to him. And the Philippians, they gave to Paul when nobody else did. They, they were, Paul says in that chapter, he, he says, when everybody else had abandoned me, you guys gave and you continued to give. So their gift was acceptable. They did it in such a way with an overflowing heart that it was pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. Our gifts can delight the Father and bring a smile to his face. And that's even, can I just say it this way? The, the reaction we get from the Father is more important than even the ministry that can be done with the gifts that are given. Because sometimes we, we get so focused on, well, I'm giving so we can do the stuff. You know, I'm, I'm giving so we can have an outreach. I'm giving so we can keep the lights on, the building open. That's great. That's, that stuff needs to happen. That's, that's good that we create a space for people to come encounter Jesus. But the point of giving is to see what is the reaction of my Father. And, and the stirring that it gets, just like Paul telling the Philippians, I'm sure the Philippians were excited to read that. Like, sweet, Paul got our gifts, he enjoyed them, he says it was a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. I'm sure they were excited by that. And that ought to be our reaction, is knowing that the Father sees our gifts and sees them as acceptable. So back to Cain and Abel to, to kind of close it up today in our story of acceptable gifts. Think about it in that light. Here's, here's two brothers bringing a gift to their dad. All right? And, and we, if you've had a brother, you've probably had this experience. And I don't, I don't know what it was. Here's Abel, the younger brother. You know, maybe picture him. Hey, Dad, I got you this homemade card. You know, I poured my heart and soul into it. And Cain... Cain's like, hey, I got you the same homemade card I gave you last year. I thought it was good enough to just bring it to you. That's, that's really what this was like. Here's two sons bringing a gift to their dad. And the father sees one gift and just gushes over it. Man, Abel, that, that, that homemade card, look how you colored that. Oh, I love this. 
And Cain gets angry because, Dad, you, you like his gift better. What was the difference? The difference is how much it mattered to their heart. Because I think, I think you can infer that from reading the biblical account of Cain and Abel. Abel's gift mattered. Man, this is the firstborn. This is the best of the flock. This, this is a gift that I would be excited about giving. Any, this is a gift I'd want to receive myself even. This is the perfect one. And Cain, most likely, was just like, hey, I got some extra of that. I'll just put it in the cart and take it with me. I think the, the difference was their gifts mattered differently to their heart. And that made it matter differently to the Father. And that's, that's kind of a hard thing to say, the, the phrase I have on the screen there, but if our gift doesn't matter to us, why, why would we expect it to matter to Him? That's a, instead of amen, again, that's a good ouch point right there, isn't it? If our gift doesn't matter to us, does that qualify as an acceptable gift? Because I think that was the difference in the story with Cain and Abel. Abel's gift mattered to him. Man, this is the first. This is the one I've been taking care of the most and watching over him closest. And Cain was just, here's some stuff. I think if it was true then, it's still true today. Our gift needs to matter to us in order to matter to him. And that was really convicting to me. Because we'll, we'll talk next week more about amounts and things. But how many of you have ever had this experience? You've been walking with God so long. And you've been a faithful giver. Like, man, I tithe, I, I go above, I give some offerings. But it's like we get to a point where it's like, hey, I built my budget around that. Like, does it really matter anymore? You know, I plan to give 10% to the Lord this year and I'm working out what I'm going to do with the rest of this. And we put it on autopilot. And pretty soon it's like, hey, even though I'm, I'm experiencing some blessings because I'm, I'm giving this amount, it doesn't matter to my heart anymore. So that's that's for me. You guys can do what you want with that, but I'm I'm thinking and meditating on this stuff and I'm like getting convicted about is my giving stirring is it affecting my heart anymore? Is there something or if I just kind of come on, we do this like hey, getting getting the striped tie for Christmas from your kid the first year is okay. After about like the 8th year of getting the same tie, you you're having a hard time even faking getting excited about it like, yeah, that's another tie. Come on, how many times do our gifts do that, though? It's like, oh, I'm not putting, even putting any thought into it anymore. It's just what I've always done. I'll just keep doing it. Yeah. Because I think about Jesus being the most acceptable gift ever given. Because he, it costs the Father everything to send the Son. Talk about a gift that matters to your heart. And he did that for us as an example of what our giving should look like. And if our gift isn't moving our heart anymore, does it still fall into the category of being an acceptable gift that stirs his heart and deepens our relationship with him? All right, and on that happy note, come on, I'm, I'm only telling you this because of what it's affected me and doing in my heart too. So even if you guys already know that, you're like, hey, i got no problem with generosity, Pastor. I give all the time. Just pray for me then. Pray, God, help Pastor learn that lesson so he can be generous in giving and do whatever he needs to do. So next week, we'll finish up this series by maybe getting a little more into this concept of gifts that matter to our heart and how much and what does it look like. You guys okay with that? If I don't see you next week, I'm going to start thinking in my mind. It's because, 
If you're not going to be here next week, please check in and say, it wasn't because you're talking about money, Pastor. It's because we're going to the Bahamas. Would you like to come with us? Um, gosh. And I'm not going to take another offering after, <laughs> after saying that. So be at peace and rest there. Let's, let's go ahead and stand, and we'll pray before we go today. Uh, I appreciate you guys letting me say some of the stuff I say sometimes. Uh, yeah, Pam's, Pam's remind me, I didn't put it all in my notes this week because of the, the time I knew I was facing, but if you remember the story of King David when the ark had been captured and, and it had been lost and they brought it back to Israel, he was going to bring it back to Jerusalem, he wanted to have this huge party and they got as far as Obed-Edom's house and he decided, I want to sacrifice something to the Lord. But he wasn't in Jerusalem. He didn't have any of his own stuff. So the guy in the town there says, hey, King, King David, here's some cattle and some oxen and some wood. You can, you can have all this stuff and make a sacrifice to the Lord. And do you remember what David said in that story? He says, I will not offer the Lord a gift that costs me nothing. And so he says, I don't, I don't care that you want to give it to me, that you're excited about this. Dave, King David says, I'm going to pay you everything that this is worth and maybe some more on top of that just because I want it to matter to my heart when I give it to the Lord. Yeah. I won't offer God a gift that costs me nothing. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can come to you as your children. That, that we really are learning and growing and, and becoming the people that you've called us to be. God, I thank you that, that even times when we come empty-handed, you still love us, you still embrace us. And God, as, as we continue to walk with you more and more, I ask that you would stir our hearts with the, with the kind of giving, the kind of attitudes, the kind of generosity in our heart that, that actually stirs you the same way that you gave Jesus the same way that you gave a gift that cost you everything let us be ones that that give even when it costs us something even when it God use our giving even in 2016 use our giving take it to another level stir us with a vision of your reaction when we give. Stir us to give in ways that deepen our relationship with you, that show us more insights into who you are as a father and the kind of relationship that you want to have with us. Stir us with opportunities to give in everyday life. Lord, as the pastor, I'm excited when people give to the church, but I also know you've called us to give to those in need around us, to be ones that, that, that see the least of these and are moved with compassion the same way you are, Jesus. Wherever you take us on this journey of giving and the generosity you're wanting to work into our heart, we just say yes, Lord. We, we trust you. We trust you to be the one that orders our steps and, and grows us and deepens our relationship with you. God, bless your people even as we leave this place today. I just thank you that your favor is on us, that your love is ours, 
that you go with us. Your presence doesn't just stay in one spot that we have to come to, but your presence goes with us everywhere that we go. Let your goodness and your mercy continue to pursue us, Lord. Let let the things that we do and say outside of this place even point people to you. We just give you honor for what you're doing. And we have an expectation in our heart for all that you have yet to do in our lives. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, If you didn't get prayer earlier during worship and you still need some prayer, the altar is open. Feel free to take advantage of that. But otherwise, have a great afternoon. I love you guys.